It was good to be here with you today. Um, uh, for those uh, who might be visiting, uh, I'm not the pastor here. Our pastor Jason, he's actually in India, or probably making his way back home. So we'll be praying for him this morning. And so uh, uh, he's uh, blessed to be a part of a seminary out there that he has been able to uh, help get started. And so kind of stays busy with that. And we're blessed to support a pastor that's mission-minded and uh, focused on teaching the gospel. And so uh, with him being gone, uh, the, the the backups had to take place. And so last week was uh, Dr. Duncan got to preach. And what an awesome job he did last week, right? Uh, praise God for him, and thank you, Dr. Duncan, for doing that and for uh, bringing us the word last week. And so today, this morning, I get the opportunity to, and, and it's one of my passions just to study God's word and bring it to you. So um, with that, I'm going to be in, in, in Luke chapter 15, and I, I, I'm going to uh, we're gonna look at a story that probably a lot of us are familiar with. A lot of us, we probably have heard this uh, parable uh, hundreds of times, and, and sometimes it's these parables that we're familiar with that we get it wrong. And so I want to I try to help us take a, a different approach and look at this parable differently. Uh, about a year ago, I kind of heard it from a pastor uh, in one of my you know, studies and just uh, heard it and just really just uh, from hearing it from that perspective really, uh, really bothered me. Because it really made me identify with that person. And, and the truth of the story, really, uh, it just understanding it in that way, really, uh, God really broke, to, broke my heart. And so my prayer for us today is that we would just um, seek God's truth and, and, and see how we can uh, see um, the, the purpose of this parable. And again, it's one that we probably have heard uh, hundreds of times, but in seeing it from this uh, angle or this perspective or the true meaning of why it was written is really going to make us feel uncomfortable some, yeah, for the most part. And so, but with that said, I, I just want to uh, pray real quick and then we'll get started. So, Father, we come before you. Uh, we love you. We, we thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Um, we thank you, Lord, that every single word written and these pages are, are your breath, Lord. They're from you. They're inspired. The Word of God says that it, it's living, it's active. It penetrates. Uh, it separates, Lord. And we ask that for today. Only your Spirit can do that to us. Uh, I don't know our situations this morning. I don't know how we have come in through these doors. Uh, but one thing I do know, Lord, is that only you can um, reach us. Lord, only you can save us. And only you can draw us to yourself. And that's what we ask. That's why we gather. And that's why we, we seek you, Lord. And we do pray for our pastor as he's uh, making his journey home, that you would keep him safe, keep him uh, just uh, be, all the flights and all the details will go according to your plan. And Lord, we love you and we praise you. And we ask all this in your precious name. Amen. So Luke chapter 15 is this parable of the, of the prodigal son. And for most of us, we have probably have uh, heard that parable uh, many times. Raise your hand if you've heard, if you're familiar with that, the the, the parable of the particle sun, right? So for a lot of us, we've we've uh, familiar with that, right? And, and and for a lot of us, we have heard it in the in the viewpoint of the particle sun, like you know, 
evangelists or pastors would get up and preach. And, you know, here's your son, how wicked he is and how he's gone off and wasted this money, lived this horrible life. And that's kind of like you and I. And then one day he just comes to himself and realizes that he was just better off at home. So he goes back home and, 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 and the pastor would say, you know, that's you and I here, you know. Another, you know, most other pastors will come from the, the, the point of the father, the love of the father, the unconditional, the, how the father runs and meets the son and, and rejoices and is glad. But those two aren't the main reasons of the story of why it was written, right? Um, Jesus always spoke in, in parables, right? He, he spoke a lot in parables. Matthew chapter 13, verse uh, 34 it says, uh, all these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophets. Right? So Jesus would, talk, would teach in, in parables. And one, and one aspect was to really see who was listening in the crowd. Right? Because, you know, he would draw a crowd. Many people would hear about Jesus, and they would come. But they would come not for the right reasons but to get something or to receive something, right? So sometimes he would talk in parables to see who was actually listening. And then for many times, like the parable of the sower, the parable of the weeds, uh, the mustard seed, you know, he would, he would tell the story, give a little break, and then, the par- and, then, and then the disciples or those who were really paying attention would gather later and say, what did you mean by that story? And then Jesus would explain what he meant, you know. There was a guy who threw seeds, landed in four places, and this is what this seed meant. So he would explain it. With the parable of the particle son, he doesn't go back and explain why he wrote that parable. And that's why for many people, we, we just kind of make up our own plot or make up our own ideas, and we just say, oh, it's about this particle son. It's about the father. And it's really not about one of those two. It's about another character. And again, once we realize why Jesus wrote this parable, it might make us feel uncomfortable because we're going to relate to this person better than we do the prodigal son and the father. And so with that being said, how do we understand this prodigal? Well, we have to uh, go back to the beginning of Luke chapter 15. And, and Jesus does a, you know, he's, he's a smart teacher, right? The best teacher. So he he actually gives us three parables to kind of tie in the whole story. So you can't just read Luke 15, verse 11, or, or the particle son, with, and, and get the meaning without reading the other two parables. So in order to understand uh, the particle son, we're going to have to go back to verse 1. So Luke chapter 15, verse 1, you guys with me? And this is the, the parable of the lost sheep, and we're probably familiar with this parable too. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. They were drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So here's the key passage of why he's telling these parables, right? What's the problem? Is that Jesus is eating with who? Sinners. Right? He's eating with sinners, 
He's loving on sinners. And who has an issue with that? The Pharisees, the Pharisees, the ones who, who try to keep the law, who made laws, who, who were leaders of the synagogue, right? The scribes, those who taught, those who knew Scripture, these guys were the ones who were offended. They were upset that Jesus was eating or hanging around sinners. So this is why uh, he writes this parable. So we keep that in mind. And so then he says, parable number one, the parable of the lost sheep. So he told them this parable, verse four. What man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, over 99 righteous persons who need repentance. So here Jesus shares this story, right? Here's this the shepherd has a hundred sheep, and one of them gets lost. Uh, it could easily be said, you know, it's just one sheep. I got 99. You know, so be it for this lost one. He's on his own. You know, if he knows how to come back, he'll come back. But I got 99 other ones. And Jesus shares this parable with, the, with, with, with these Pharisees to tell them the love of the shepherd. He will leave the 99 and go after the one. And here it says that the shepherd goes and he finds the one. And then what does he do? Carries it back home and he's rejoicing. Right? How many, how many of you uh, uh, rejoice after you find something you lost, right? You, we rejoice. We lose our car keys. We lose our phone, right? You know, some of us are like, I can't find my phone, and you're talking on it, right? You're like, where's my phone at? And then, oh, man. And, and, and we, you, we rejoice. And so here's this, this shepherd who loses uh, 1% of his livestock, and he goes after it. He chases it. He finds it. He carries it back home, and he rejoices. So Jesus shares this parable, hopefully that these Pharisees would get the point, that you rejoice. Because he said over one sinner, there, there's, there's a party going on, right? Heaven rejoices over how many? One, over one lost person. But apparently the Pharisees didn't get it, right? Because he said it, it, it's better. I mean, heaven rejoices for the lost person. Who cares about the righteous? Right? Hopefully they, they, would get, they would get that, that Pharisees, you're the righteous one, and, and there's a party for the lost people. But they didn't get it, so then he tells them another parable. Verse 8, the parable of the lost coin. Or what woman having ten silver coins, if she loses one, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together with her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So now he goes from, from one person losing 1% of his livestock to a lady losing 10% of her income, right? One coin was like a day's worth of wage. Uh, uh, so it was, it was a lot of value, right? And so this lady loses... Uh, 
her income, her, her, her coin. And what does she do? She, she flips the house upside down. She goes through the car. She goes through, you know, looking at all her purses and everything just to find this coin. And when she finds it, what does she do? She comes back. She calls her friends and she rejoices, right, because she found her money. Hopefully that the, 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 the Pharisees would get the picture now that, man, there, there is um, joy when sinners come to the feet of Jesus. There's joy when, when, when lost people recognize they need a Savior. But the Pharisees still didn't get it. They still didn't get the picture. And so then Jesus goes a little bit deeper. And here we get to the parable of the particle son, which it should be um, the parable of the lost son, right? And, the, and now with understanding these first two parables, now it's going to make sense of, of why the parable of the lost son. Verse 11, and he said, there was a man who had two sons. So now you had a, a farmer who had, uh, loses 1% of his um, livestock. A lady who loses uh, 10% of her income, and now you have a man who has two sons and loses one of them, 50% of his family, his sons. And so verse 12, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me, and he divided his property between them. So a little bit, the, 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 the younger son, again, does something that's unheard of, right? Even in today, I wouldn't go up to my father now and ask to give me what he owes me, right? You don't, you don't do that. You wait until the father initiates that conversation and what he determines to give his children if he wants to, right? But in, in this custom, in this time, it was, it was the same way the father would leave behind an inheritance to, to his children. But here, this son, and it doesn't tell us how old this son is, but it was a young son, and he goes to the father and asks for his stuff. Man, that's, a, that's, that's like a slap in the face to the father. That's like wishing, Dad, I wish you were dead. Now give me my stuff, right? You just, it's a wicked person, right? Now, many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country, and there he squandered his property and reckless living. And here Jesus paints his young son as someone who's just um, kind of lost, rebellious, right? He, he, not only does he just move to Louisiana or from Louisiana to Texas, man, he goes across country. He goes to another place, and he goes, he, he, he goes to a far country, and there he squanders his property and reckless living. So the, the things that the, the father worked for, the things that the father has saved for, with many years, right? You don't just accumulate things in, in, in two paychecks, right? Three paychecks. No, it takes years of working. And, and here it says that the son took all the stuff and he squandered his property in reckless living. That means within months of getting all that stuff, all this hard work from the father, within seconds it's gone. The son lives um, a way that part of the world, you know, the, the way of the world, and just loses all the things. And 
14, and he went and spent everything. A severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself uh, out to one of the citizens of that country, and most likely this was uh, Samaria. You know, he was, he was a Hebrew, he's a Hebrew son, goes to another country, again, a country that he's not even supposed to be in, but he goes that far. That's how far sin would take you to where you're not supposed to be at. And so most likely he's in Samaria. And so he, he goes to one of the people of the country and says, can you hire me so I can work in the field to feed the pigs? Now that's another problem, right? Because the Hebrew shouldn't be around pigs, right? And here is this miserable young son who has lost all his money, all the things that the father has worked for and has given him, and he loses it all, and now he's uh, begging to work with the animals that he's not supposed to be around. And so he's, he's a pretty messed up son, right? Pretty messed up young son. And so he, uh, verse 16, and he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So he's suffering, he's hurting, he's hungry. And nobody's willing to help. He's willing, he's, 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 he's willing to eat what the pigs eat, and still the pigs won't even share with, with him. And then verse 17, but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread? But I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me. Uh, sorry. I'm no longer to be worthy to call your son. But the father said to his servant. Uh, I'm sorry. Verse 19. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your higher servants. And then verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and felt compassion. And ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead. And is alive again. He was lost and found, and they began to celebrate. And here you would expect the, the Pharisees to probably have compassion now, to have compassion and to say, you know what, again, with the other two parables, it, it was all about saving the lost. The owner would do whatever it takes to go find the lost. And here, the, even though the father didn't go out looking for the son, he allowed uh, the Holy Spirit to convict his son, and, and as the son came, he rejoiced, right? He didn't go out beating on the son. He didn't go out already accusing him, and where's my stuff, and you owe me this, and you owe me that. What does it say? The father goes out and embraces him. Before the, the son could even uh, ask for forgiveness, the, the father was already forgiving him. 
he was already embracing him. He was already loving him. And then the father, like the other two uh, people in, in, the, in the parables, he calls his servants, go grab the, 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 the nice cow, you know, the calf. Let's prepare it. Bring the nice robe. Bring the nice shoes. Let's celebrate. Let's party. Not because of what the son had done. Not because of his wickedness. Not because of, of the sins that this son in, in, endured in. But the fact that he says, what? My son was lost and now he is found. And you would hope people would rejoice in that. You hope people would come to your house to celebrate that your son had come back home, right? You would hope that your neighbors would be just as excited as you are, right? Nowadays, some be, oh, man, your son's back. He was better off when he was gone. You know, it's more quiet now in our neighborhood, you know. No, they, they will rejoice for the son. But the Pharisees didn't get it still. And so he goes on and says this, verse 25, and here's where the story kind of comes to a, a climax. And it says, uh, now his older son, so this younger son's brother, was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things what these things meant. In verse 27, he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. In verse 28, but he was angry and refused to go in. Who does that sound like? The Pharisees. Right? They were angry because Jesus was eating with who? With the sinners. So here's the older son. He's mad because his younger brother who had just lost everything has come back and the father is throwing him a party. Verse 20, but he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I, have, and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your, your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. So here's this bitter uh, older brother now. He's mad because here he's saying his father, Father, notice the attitude, I have not left you. I have not done these horrible things. I have not done this. I have not done that. Sounds like a Pharisee, right? A self-righteous person. I haven't done this, and I haven't done that. You should have given me a party. Why are you giving my brother a party? And having a, a brother that is younger, I would probably be bad too, you know? Why are you giving him a party if you don't give me a party, right? Same thing, even for Christmas, even uh, this coming Christmas, I'm going to be mad if he gets a better gift than I do. I'm going to be like, Mom, how come you didn't buy me or something better than, no. You know, as siblings, you, you would have that, some of that bitterness. And so here this, this older son is kind of coming out with who he is. Right? Maybe he, he has had desire to leave, but he just never has. 
be afraid of the Father. Maybe he has many times, have, I just want to pack up and get out, but he hasn't for the sake of working for righteousness. Working for righteousness. In verse 30, but when, when the son of yours came, you who has devoted your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatting calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and to, and, and to be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Notice the, the, the response of the father. The father says, son, you have always been in my presence. You have always been invited to the banquet table. You have everything that's mine is what is yours. You just haven't desired it. You just haven't, didn't want it. You want something else, right? And, and, and it's a self-work that this older brother was living. So in reality, this is who you and I are in this story. We're not the prodigal son, and we're not the father, but we are this older uh, Some Because many times in our lives, again, in churches, there, there's so much uh, uh, jealousy when people come to know the Lord, right? What do we do when, uh, I mean, I, I've known guys who have been in prison. I know guys who, man, who have done horrible things, and I have seen them come down the aisle, repent, be baptized, and be changed, and God has blessed them greatly. And there's been times where I just like, Lord, how is that fair? I mean, I have done this. I have grown up in a preacher's home. I haven't done this, and I haven't done that. And I haven't done this, and, and yet you're blessing him. Right? I, I know sometimes uh, in, in, in just in my life, I said, Lord, you know, I'm, I'm single. And, and I know guys who, man, who live like this guy and come back, and, and now they're married. I'm like, God, how come I can't get married, Lord? Right? How come, what's going on? And, and sometimes bitterness, jealousy. And I have to be reminded is that God has come to save sinners. And I need to be reminded that I'm just as wicked as these guys. And, and of God, the fact that Jesus, God, allows me to wake up today is his extra mercy on me, right? His extra grace on me. And so it's kind of hard because sometimes, again, we, we know this neighbor, we know this person, we know what they've done, we know what they've been through. And when we see God work in their lives, we become angry at God sometimes, right? God, I've been praying for a son and a child, and we have been for years trying to figure out, and here is this new couple in the Lord, and you're blessing them, right? And sometimes we can feel like, God, you're not, you're not answering my prayers. You're not listening to me. And we can become like a Pharisee and become bitter, right? Maybe with a career. God, I have gone to school. I have done all the right things. I never cheated on the test. And here is this person who has done the opposite, and, and he's leading this company. I should be the one leading this company because I have done everything right. And we become a Pharisee. We become bitter. We become jealous. And it's tough to take, right? When I first heard this, I was like, Lord, that's me. I'm not the prodigal son. 
I didn't really go out and do all that stuff and do that. I was a good person. But my heart was always in the wrong place. I was probably doing these things for the fact that I would be blessed more. I was doing these things. I was reading my Bible. I was going to college so I could be blessed more and not to know the Father, not to know Jesus Christ. In Philippians, uh, in a couple of chapters when we start, uh, chapter 2 or 3, you know, Paul's going to talk about that. You can try to do all the things. You can read your Bible. You can go to church, and you can uh, not do this and do this, and you can miss out on Jesus Christ. You can miss out on knowing him because you're busy trying to become somebody who you're not. And so now do we understand this story? We're the older son. We're supposed to be rejoicing when people come to know the Lord. And yet, who were the Pharisees, the leaders of the synagogue, right? The scribes, the ones teaching. The, the Pharisees held standards to try to meet these uh, righteousness. But yet their heart was far away from the love of Christ, right? Isn't it interesting that um, even now, our church has lost the, the, the form of celebrating when people come to know the Lord. Like here it says that the father, man, he went and got the best calf, the best clothes, the robe, the music. Man, there was a party going on, right? Each of the parables says there is rejoicing going on in heaven for one lost sinner. And right, and here we are, we, we, we throw better birthday parties. We throw be better engagement parties. We throw better wedding par parties. We throw better championship parties. We celebrate everything else except the fact that somebody has come to know the Lord. I mean, we should be rejoicing, right? Our, our, when people come and, 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 and experience Christ, not just experience Christ, but have become a new creature, that requires a whole Celebration, right? Our neighbors should be mad at us. Man, man, what is going on out there? Oh, that barbecue smells good. Uh, uh, and, and, and think about it. If we, if we don't celebrate that, what does it show the world? That's not really exciting then. You guys are more happy for, for your birthday party and for your graduation party and all these other things, but when it comes to somebody coming from dead to life, uh, it's just a ordinary thing. No, this is a miracle. It's a miracle that God would take a dead person and, and, and breathe life into them and make them alive. It should require a party, right? It should require a celebration that it goes on. But what happens is that we have belittled salvation, right? Oh, it's a work of man, right? I do this. I go to church. I give my offerings. I read my Bible. I don't do this sin. But if you've done the salvation, there's no need to pardon. But if we understand that it's a work of Christ and only a work of Christ through faith, by grace, in Christ, through, through Christ, for Christ alone, then it requires a celebration. And we should desire to celebrate when somebody has gone from dead to life, right? We should. But what happens? There's envy in our hearts. 
man, that party was bigger than when I became a Christian, you know. It was bigger, big, bigger than my party. Or, man, this person has done this and been this. And sometimes, you know, like a couple of weeks ago, we had this tragedy in this church, and, and this young man, you know, took away all these innocent lives. But, but what, what if he were to come through these doors and, and come and, and repent and, and acknowledge what he did was wrong and cried out to God, and God would save him, a lot of us would be mad. Right? Man, it's not fair. He has done all these things. He, he doesn't deserve grace. That would be most of our hearts. That would be most of our attitudes. But what did Jesus say? I have come to seek. He comes to seek and to save who? Sinners. Sinners. And who are sinners? Man, the guilty, the dirty, the wicked. And see, the problem for you and I, again, we look at the news and, and we see these guys who do, who do these hideous crimes and crazy things. And, oh, those guys are the sinners. I just had a bad day today, right? I just, I just kind of messed up today. No, the fact is, is because of our, our, our nature in Adam, man, we are wicked. We are separate. We are total depraved. So we are just as guilty as this person who has killed a thousand people. We are just as much ugly, unworthy, the enemy of God. We're just the same, in the same boat. And so we both need a Savior. We both need somebody who can come and seek us. We both need somebody who can come and restore us. And that's what Jesus does, what Jesus did. He came to love sinners and to die for sinners. And we have to acknowledge that, that yes, I am a sinner. I'm just as wicked as this person who lives this certain lifestyle. I'm just as wicked as this person who has done these crimes. I am just as wicked as them. And so for us, and I pray for our church, that we would be excited about people coming to Christ. I pray that we would be excited about people. When people come, that we would rejoice, we would party, we would celebrate, because the Bible says in heaven, there's rejoicing. There is rejoicing going on. And there's no other celebration worth celebrating than somebody who has gone from darkness into light. Amen? Right? We should celebrate. We should. And so here, you know, I don't know where you are today in your journey, your life. Um, you might have never thought about you are the older son. But if we were to take time this afternoon and this week and just examine ourselves, where does my heart tend to? Do I rejoice when I see salvation in other people's lives? Do I rejoice when I see other people succeed in their ministry or in their job or in their family? Right? Do I rejoice for them? Am I happy for them? Am I happy that they have, uh, they were lost, but now they're found? And some of us here, we, um, uh, you might have a son or daughter who might have fits this younger son. He's maybe out, lost. You might have given up hope. But my prayer for you is that you will continue praying and you will continue seeking. Just like the 
the shepherd with 99, you leave and you chase down your son or daughter. I praise God for my mom, even though we didn't, you know, again, I didn't really live that dramatic lifestyle, but I had a mom who prayed every night, right? I remember in high school, I would come home from basketball games, and I would come home late, and I would say, Mom, go to sleep. I'll be home. I'm fine. You know, from the high school to my house, it was only a two-minute drive. And I would come in the door, and she would be in her recliner just praying, right? That's just the mom does, right? She doesn't go to sleep until she knows you're home, right? And so now I don't even answer the phone when she calls because then she'll never go to sleep. No, especially when I was in Guatemala, I didn't tell her things because I didn't want her to panic and worry. But she would pray and pray and pray. And uh, I just remember, I remember that. And so just an encouragement to, to anyone here who might be praying for a son or, uh, or, or daughter or just kind of losing hope or doubt or did, and did I do a, a bad job or do I not love them enough or this or that. But we can go to truth and truth is that we can pray for them and we can seek them and God will find them, right? Jesus will go for them. That's good news, right? that we can go before our Savior and we pray for them. And then we can get, um, just from the Father, we can learn the, just the, the attitude of loving the Son unconditionally. Right? Rejoice. 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 Love them more. Love them more. That they tend to not be following the steps of Christ and love them more. Love them more. Never give up. So here when we put these three parables in perspective, then Jesus is writing to the Pharisees, right? Jesus is sitting down. He's He's come. That was his mission. That was his purpose, his journey, to come to save sinners. Luke 19.10 says, I have come to save sinners. And that's what he did. He hung around these people. People were in his house. He associated with them. He loved them. He was truthful, though. He didn't back away from truth. He never uh, hid his identity. But he hung out with them. He loved them. And that's our calling. That's our job is to love people. Love people. We might not understand their situation. We might not understand why they believe, why they believe, the things that they believe. We might not understand why they have gone through this journey. But the only thing we can do is love them. We can love them, right? And we can share the truth with them, and we can pray, and we can ask the sovereign God, God, have mercy on this person, just as you have had mercy on me. Uh, I, t- I tell you, when I lived in Guatemala, my whole worldview was just flipped upside down. My whole perspective was just flipped upside down. I encountered people who were alcoholics, who were drug addicts, who were uh, prostitutes, and, and I always wondered, man, you're in this situation because you have done these bad choices. But then God spoke to me and said, Tim, if there's no uh, drug addicts, then who are you going to love? If there's no homeless people, then who would you love? 
Because I, I created them so you can love them. So you can demonstrate the love of Christ. And it's by God's grace that I didn't let you become a homeless person. Right? I, I could have I flipped the story and allowed you to suffer and let somebody come and save you. But I decided to give you grace and mercy. Why? I have no idea. And so that's my prayer for us today, even as a church, right, that we would celebrate, we would seek the lost, we would look for opportunities here in, in Marshall and the surrounding areas. How can we engage those who do not look like us? How can we engage those who do not smell like us? How do we purposely get involved with people who are the opposite of us for, the, for, for your namesake? You know, last week in Sunday school, we talked about these four guys that carried in this paralytic, right? That's who we want to be. Let's just go find people. Let's, let's be intentional in where we're at. Let's bring people to Jesus. Remember last week, it says, because of these four individuals, because of their, what? Their faith. Their faith. They believed Jesus not only healed this guy physically, but he forgave him his sin. Another reason to celebrate, to party, right? And I know for us, when we hear the word party, it's a negative thing, right? Oh, it's, a, it's one we don't want to remember. Some of us can't remember the old parties, you know. Uh, but no, it's a beautiful thing when we can come together and celebrate that God has redeemed somebody. Even if it's just one person, he's worth everything. He's worth celebrating. And may we ask God to, to uh, deny ourselves Take away my pride. Take away my desires. Take away my uh, uh, jealousy. Take away my greed. And let me rejoice in those who need to be rejoiced in. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you this morning. Uh, we thank you, Lord, for your word. God, we thank you for... Um, this story where um, you did save this particle son. You did redeem him. But Lord, um, we thank you for having mercy and grace on this older son. One who is trying to live a, a righteous life, a self-righteous life. One who is trying to earn the favor of the Father. One who is trying to, to, to live and, and, and to work his way into salvation, Lord. And we thank you, God, that you have made a, a, a different way for that. Father, you, you sent your son to be our, uh, our substitute atonement, Father God, to die on our behalf, Lord, so that we don't have to work for righteousness, but that you have given us your righteousness, Father. And now we can live to be your sons and daughters, Lord. We don't have to work for it, Lord. You have adopted us into your kingdom, Father. And Lord, help us to See those around us, Lord, as, as your people, Father God. You created them in your image, Lord. In spite of the fact of their, their, uh, their conditions and, and, and how they're living, Lord, and, and, their, and their decisions that they make, Lord, because Scripture says that we were once alienated like them, Father. We were once walking in their steps, Father God. And you have come to redeem us, and we pray for that for those around us, Father, that we would rejoice when people come 
to know you, Lord, as their Savior, Father. Lord, help us as a church, Lord. I pray for any family here who might be um, praying for a son or daughter, Lord, that, that might be out wandering, Lord, that might be out um, uh, living their own lives, Father God, and, and many parents are burdened, Lord, or heartbroken, Lord, but you would give them peace to continue praying, to continue seeking, to continue going after and chasing until they come home one day. And Lord, we do love you and we praise you just for being a good father, one who runs to us, one who comes and gives us the best, Father. We don't deserve it, Lord, but you give us the best, Lord. And we thank you, Father. And we pray this in your precious name. Amen.